My name is Nathan Kolopek. I am Matthew Morkin. And this is the Veritas Equipping Podcast. Our goal is, especially during this time, to equip you to live out your faith and love Jesus well. So Veritas, we want to see discipleship that leads to ministry multiplication happening. We want to see ministry in people's lives multiplied and happening here. So today we're, we're going to talk with Richard Marceau on the adult ministry team about discipleship, defining it, talking about how we do it together. And I hope by the end of this, you feel more equipped to one, be a disciple, but two, to invite other people into that discipleship. This isn't like a, a strict program we've got, but this is the kind of people we want to be. So Richard, thanks for joining us on the podcast. It's good to be here. Thank you, Nathan. Yeah, so we're talking discipleship, right? How would you define what a disciple is and what discipleship is? Look at the Gospels, and Jesus kind of defined it for us. Uh, You'll be followers of me. Mm -hmm. Uh, You will learn of me, little definition of a disciple is a learner. Mm -hmm. And as we uh, teach here at Veritas, love, love, honor, and obey Mm -hmm. Jesus and and lean into his life Mm -hmm. and his word. But I love the language in Matthew where Jesus was just with his disciples. And that that's relational. So discipleship, I think, is, is just wrapped up in being with people. Yeah. Not just uh, instructing them, being with them as you walk through life. There's a, a distinction that when I was on Salt Company staff in Ames that we talked about, just as part of our culture of discipleship, I think I've seen that here at Veritas as well. Sometimes we can treat discipleship as if there's a set of content you have to get through. Oh, I'm a disciple. If I took this class, if I learned these lessons, maybe I got a degree, that's what makes me a disciple. But so often, really what we see in the scriptures, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but I think the way that we think about it and the way that we see the pattern of Jesus' life, there's good content, but it's more about the context. It's about a group of people together unpacking the truth of the scriptures in the place of their life. Yeah, I'll give an example from college. Uh, I was an education major and a theology major. And the education prof, lead guy of the department, loved to golf. And so I had a lot of independent studies with him one-on-one. <laughs> we learned so much. I learned so much from him just teeing off and walking the fairways. He said he quizzed me on the books that I had to read and the papers I had to write for him. It wasn't an easy course. But I learned more with that walk in the fairways with Dr. Miller hmm. about education and Christ-centered teaching. We would just talk as we went, and he would quiz me. Mm-hmm. Oral mm-hmm. quizzes, I had to know the answers. Mm-hmm. But the joy of being with him and just being in his presence and hearing his wisdom and trying to be accountable to what he was teaching me went down a lot quicker and a lot more fun walking a fairway. Totally. Yeah, so the context of that relationship change the way you dealt with the content, the truth, the information, the knowledge. Right. Yeah. The content's there. We got, we got to learn. We got to know. But it's in relationship. I think what we have to fight against so often is from the time that we're five years old, you know, we have swimming lessons. And then we have soccer. And then we have baseball. You know, and when the seasons are done, then they're kind of done. And there's a time for that. There's a time for intensive learning. It has its place for us. But there's a reality that, again, the gospel and the discipleship happen Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You know, it just goes on and on and on. And it's not Sunday morning. And it's not Wednesday night. And it's not connection group night. It's just, it's, those are higher points, perhaps, or maybe higher points isn't the best way to describe it. But those are points where it's more intensive. But that is not it. 
As we think about this idea of discipleship being all of life, it's, it's yeah, every day of the week, it's, it's a context thing in relationship. I think through uh, the Great Commission, that this closing statement of Matthew's um, gospel, the last thing he writes in his account of Jesus' life and ministry. And if you've been around Christianity a while, you've probably heard of this. Um, but let me, let me just read it again. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, his followers, his people, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What does what this section like that tell us about discipleship? Well, you went the spiritual route there. I was going to go with the, the image of eating. I eat first breakfast, second breakfast, third <laughs> breakfast. You're like a hobbit. Pre-lunch, yep. lunch. <laughs> Second lunch, third lunch, you know, and let so me, on, right? Let me just say, like, you have the eating schedule of a hobbit, but the exact opposite body build. <laughs> you're, you're tall, you're, yep, anyway. All right, moving on. Yeah. I mean, how do we view our, our Christianity? How do we mm-hmm. view this desire to follow our Savior? Is it life-giving or is it a one hour? Oh, I, I did my time. Mm-hmm. Now I can go on with my day. And, you know, yeah, and we're called to what Matthew 28 says. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm disciple on the road when I come into into the office when I, when I cut off on 380. <laughs> you know, I, I'm learning something about who I am and my temperament that morning. What I read from the Word early morning is that going to affect me mm. on that drive time. Mm-hmm. And the words of my mentors coming in, too, mm-hmm. at that time to say, be patient with all. Mm. You know, be, be circumspect in how you drive and mm-hmm. you think and process and react to things. Yeah. Those things come back in the process of learning in a situation, which is every single day. Yeah. So a disciple is a learner. You're, you're learning from Scripture, but maybe also people that have been a couple steps ahead of you in the faith. And that learning engages all of life. And there's some of it, too, where, where us being disciples, we're also reflecting and modeling to other people, right? This is what a disciple of Jesus looks like. So, okay, what, what do we do with passages like the Great Commission? That This wasn't just for the immediate audience, right? They weren't the only people that were supposed to go and make disciples. We're disciples making disciples. That's kind of the idea of ministry multiplication happening. What do we do? Three of us guys uh, standing around a microphone. What do we do with the Great Commission? I mean, the Great Commission is a great calling for all of us. And I think it's going to spur us on in different ways because each of us have different gifts. And we have the opportunity to, again, like even as a discipler, to not make it like baseball. Now, you, you know, where, where you're like, all right, everyone gather. I'm going to teach you now for 45 minutes, and then we're going to play for 15, and then we're going to go home. But but to do that with life, I mean, we have the opportunity to have wives and children. That's not everyone's role yet or maybe ever, but like to bring people alongside and just ooze it. So when you're on the golf course, that is that is fair play for a moment to share truth and share Jesus. It's not... It's like I want to tell people, like, it's not a thing. Like, stop making it a thing. Stop making it a program where you're just like, I have to golf with six people this week and share the gospel, you know. That that might be a way to do it, but but just go golf and, and happen to, like, let it ooze out of you. I like, to, I like that mentality rather than, like, oh, I have to have eight coffees this week and two breakfasts and one lunch with these guys. And, and it might come through breakfast and it might come through sitting down for lunch. And you might eat two breakfasts in a day. 
Good point. <laughs> <laughs> but but that but that challenge of like, you know, when you're in a cubicle next to another coworker, those are discipling moments where you can they might have a whole different worldview than you, but you can just insert your worldview. Hmm. Have you ever thought about it this way? And just like drop those nuggets where that person might chew on it and then you can follow up maybe the next day and just really see those relationships not as accidental or annoying, but as opportunities hmm. to disciple somebody and perhaps they'll they'll come to faith, you know, and then and then the discipleship will, will be more exciting even. I think Colossians 1 is a good companion with Matthew 28 because Christ is preeminent over all. Mm -hmm. So every breath that we take, he gives it to us. Mm -hmm. He has formed us in creation. He exists before anything else. He holds all the creation together. Mm -hmm. So our lives are made up because of him. So every breath that we take, we should be oozing gospel life. Mm -hmm. Even as sinners, we can do that. Christ is preeminent. So that cubicle, that ride into the work, all those things are opportunities, that the garden of growth that we have to see. Not live a dualistic life, but an integrated life in Christ, which means I'm learning as I live. Mm -hmm. And then I'm learning from someone who's learned how to live that way. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to be following their example as they have followed Christ. What Christ what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. I think that that's a really powerful verse, 1 Corinthians 11, 1. Yeah, mm -hmm. imitate me as I imitate Christ. Or I think the NIV, when I memorized it back in the day, follow me as I follow Christ. I think as a church culture, we need to move yeah, away from, okay, this is just a class and a one-off event. Or even away from the idea that discipleship is such a big thing, I can't even get my hands around it towards a level of intentionality still, right? Like living in the tension of, yeah, Matthew, you were saying, it's not about like, okay, I have to have these particular comments, but there might be times where we're intentional in that, right? right? And I've seen both of you live that intentionality out with people. So Richard, can you talk us through a little bit? How, how can we start taking that intentionality that your professor had with you on the golf course how do we begin to apply that into our lives, into relationships with other people? Especially, I'm talking about other believers, right? People in the family of faith. Who do we look for? What are the kinds of things that we do to begin with that level of intentionality if we're not starting a class or a program? I think, first of all, being normal and natural in our life and realize we're not, again, living dualistically. But who are my natural circle of friends, my neighbors? my assigned responsibilities for us at church and, and leaders to, to invest in. And that means being uh, aggressive in approaching them to say, let's have coffee, let's go golf, let's do something. I'm not going to ride a bike and not crazy like me. Oh. <laughs> I rode 100 miles one time, Oof. all uphill. Woof. Then I woke up. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bad dream. Was that on your way to school? Yeah. Uh, both ways. Both yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah. Back in 1892, <laughs> riding your T-Rex. All right. So this is on. two podcasts with jokes about Richard's age. I'm I know. So sorry. I'm sorry. I'll tell you. Anyway, I just think that the intentionality then is to go and to make those appointments in this COVID era, being obviously more careful. It could be a phone conversation depending on where they're at in that. But then intentionality is, is asking those questions about their walk in faith, not being afraid, intimidated. I had an uncle who saw something in me that I didn't see and, and pulled me into a teaching role at a church and then pulled me into a leadership role. I had a chance to listen and learn from him. And there was accountability. It was an intentional thing on his part. 
And, you know, and today we still have that same kind of relationship. And he's even older than I am. So, you know, it's a sense of, you know, just learning and growing and the relationship is key. And there's got to be those tough questions. There's got to be those times of accountability. And you've got to set up those contexts. Could be, like I say, a fun time. But. I've heard this, this used. I think Jake maybe talked with me about this. There's kind of four T's of discipleship. There's time, touch, truth, and tension. It just takes time. You need time in relationship, and you've got to make time in your schedule to have people. You also need touch points. So it's not like, oh, yeah, we've known each other for five years, but we've met up twice, right? You need touch points along the way. And so those two work together really well. You also want to gather around the truth. If we're going to be disciples, we need the truth of the scriptures applied to life. And then often in a discipleship relationship, there's tension where one person is asking those probing questions. And I think two good friends can do that for each other, but oftentimes it's helpful to have someone a little bit older, a stage in life, asking those probing questions and applying the truth. What makes those tough questions easier is that there's a relationship. Yeah, yeah. And that's why the golf times are good, or the bike ride. Those times are great because it enhances the relationship where you can speak into those tough areas of life, and it's going to be heard. Mm-hmm. And I think for the, some of us, the younger people to shut your mouths and listen. This is a constant battle for me um, just to be quiet. I struggle with just wanting to be heard or like, oh, how do I let him know I already knew what he just said, you know, and just to like shut my mouth and listen. I've appreciated literally in our office when Richard drops these wisdom bombs and it's just like, I would have never heard that anywhere else. And I'm grateful for that too. You know, again, we, we complicate this relationship where we're, we set up a time and it has to be this. And I'm covering these six questions, which has their place at times. Okay. But like, we also like just sit and glean, you know, I mean, I, and on a very secular level, maybe a little bit of a different angle, like for some of us just sit down with our grandparents and say, what was it like, you know, and just generically learn about life or culture or whatever and just but just take the time to just ask questions and glean like think about that relationship think about that person you're with whether it you know we're talking more so spiritually and discipleship biblically but just in life just to sit and learn and listen veritas we want to up the bar for discipleship across our church and so what that's going to look like is is you actually going and asking someone to meet up And that could be someone that you're trying to invest in. That could be someone that you've got questions you want to answer. But we need to get over this independent Christian life thing because it's just not. Amen. It's one, it's not as fun. (laughs) And two, it's not as life giving. Right. Right, right. The other day, I mean, yeah, Richard, you asked me to, to grab lunch and we got in a good conversation and I was processing a few days later, this idea of place and being planted somewhere because you love Troy Mills. I don't know how many people in the world love Troy Mills, but Richard Marceau has them beat. I think there's like 150. 100, 150 people love Troy Mills. There you go. But but for me now processing in, in just kind of the stuff of my life, like, oh, do I have a sense of place? Do I love, you know, like I love being planted where I'm at and bearing fruit in that and, and using some of the biblical illustrations there. But that was... You initiated a conversation. I don't know if you had an agenda to go talk about place, but we just started talking, right? right? We're just together. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Veritas, listen to me. This might mean you taking the initiative, and it probably Mm -hmm. will. If you're waiting for someone to come and disciple you, you might be waiting a while because they're waiting too. Get together with someone and have a conversation and ask good questions. Or look at somebody who is maybe in your connection group 
or maybe you guys have been serving together and, and there are a couple stages of life younger than you or, or older than you and start sharing life together. Get around God's truth and what he's teaching you. One really great question to ask is, hey, what's God been teaching you lately? That just opens up a lot of doors. Do you guys have other practical tips as people take the initiative to get into these relationships? Just practical tips to help discipleship happen. One thing, the person who might teach you a lot in life might not be the person you expect. So it's easiest to go to somebody where I have some commonality and commonality helps make the more difficult decision uh, conversations easier for sure. But there might be other people, other cultures, other economic levels where you can learn so much from where they've come from, how they've lived and things along that line too. And it might show you a different aspect of who God is and his grace and mercy. So don't write off anyone in this situation. They can teach you. We pick up the unexpected lessons by living a normal life and just living it to its fullest where God has placed us. And then in that sense of place, the unexpected speaks and it speaks loudly and it surprises us. I find that the best kind of teaching where all of a sudden the Lord kind of hits you with a comment from somebody or you read it in a book you weren't expecting and here's this quote that comes out of a biography you know, of Steve Jobs or something that really hits your heart. And so God uses all of life to speak to us in a discipling way, you know, whether it be through things around us in, in the created world or books written by men and women that are really quality things. Even from non-believers, we can learn some things because they too are created in the image of God. They just need Jesus. So we can learn from them as well. And that enhances, I think, that life of place. One of the things that I'm picking up from this conversation is we kind of need a new lens for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Part of the identity we need to take on is of students, learners, disciples, to see all of our life as learning opportunities, not just, okay, I'm putting on my learner hat in this context, in this class, in this whatever, but again, to see all of our life as an opportunity to be apprentices of Jesus, to learn the way of Jesus, to take on um, his yoke and his burden that are easy and light. I think we try too hard. <laughs> you know, we really do. We want to please God with everything we have. That's a good thing. And then we can create more tension for us when we God calls us to live in him. Our identity again is in him. Just live our lives and let him speak through people around us unintentionally. And then intentionally as we have those relationships, that's important too. But I think we can try too hard, Nathan. Make it a law thing instead of just a life of love of Jesus. I think one of the things that I learned that was kind of a change of perspective on it too is I have a couple of relationships that I didn't come in expecting to be a discipler. I came in expecting to be a learner. And I remember my uh, my advisor at college, I just graduated a few years ago, and he was 14 years-ish younger than me. And he was always a little bit nervous about teaching me. And I'm like, dude, I'm learning so much from you. And just knock it off, throwing everything into tears. You know, rather than viewing it as superior and inferior in some way, shape or form, view it as somebody has slanted that direction and someone slanted that direction, you know, but you're on the same playing field. So if you both come in as humble learners and listeners, that really transforms the conversation. Because somebody younger than me, might have something that I've never seen or learned or whatever. And so if I come in ready to listen to, and, and we again, like you were just saying, Richard, too, like if we're just having a conversation, 
you know, I can pick up on stuff too. It's not just a one-way street. Listen, share truth, you know, listen, share truth. Another thing I would add too is just the necessity of, of knowing the scriptures. Now, I don't want you to say like, well, I don't know the scriptures, so I can't help anybody. No, but like, this is an opportunity to perhaps partner up with somebody older or younger and learn more scripture. And I think for us as men, like we know a lot of college football stats. We know a lot of NFL stats, NBA, what a pick your sport. Okay? Or cricket stats. <laughs> That's different. <laughs> What's cricket? Yeah. The you, sound you guys go the sound those little bugs. Yeah, the, the sound that happens every time I try to talk about cricket with you guys. <laughs> but like but you have that opportunity, right? You gather on Saturdays and in conversation around the couch in a bowl of salsa, you disciple one another in college football. And you'd think nothing of it. That's that is discipleship. Take your salsa, take your chips, put them on the table and talk about your savior. Or talk about life and leading your wife for men, you know, and just and and it just talk about it. So Veritas, we we want to have discipleship that leads to ministry multiplication. And when we say ministry multiplication, we don't just mean more programs, more events, more whatever, but your life being a ministry happening around. So we, we hope that you begin to see yourself as a disciple and as a learner. And in that place, step into the kind of lifestyle of a disciple. Now, that might mean and probably will mean you taking some intentional steps to go out and ask that person to meet up or, or to ask some good questions. Find somebody that knows things that you don't know and ask them to tell you about it and interpret that through the lens of Scripture. If you don't feel confident in how to disciple somebody, maybe your first step is to go and ask somebody, hey, can you teach me how to disciple somebody? Or can you teach me how to read the Bible? Can you show me how to read the Bible with another person? That would be a great step for you to take. With all of this, our hope and our desires for your love of Jesus to grow, a disciple someone who knows, loves, and obeys Jesus. We hope that your knowledge of him, your love for him, and your obedience are just accelerated for your joy in his glory as you take on the mantle of the disciple. And from there, man, we're hoping God does incredible things through our church and our community for the name of Jesus. Richard, thanks Amen. for joining us today. You're welcome. All right, thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.